Hi, and welcome to the Ethnos New Brunswick podcast. We're so glad you're joining us. Ethnos is a new organization looking to join in the holistic, community-transforming work happening in Highland Park and New Brunswick. A part of that includes thinking about the spiritual health and vitality of our community. Each week, our gathering is meant to give our community a safe and helpful place for that. Today's episode, Family, Drama, and God's Call, is the third part of our series called Everyday God, with the conversation being led by speaker Yukon Chu. Well, we're going to continue on then with our time uh, in a moment, in a, in, a, in a period of reflection and engagement with the teachings of Jesus. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, uh, we believe this uh, time of reflection on the teachings and scriptures of Jesus is an important part of creating a safe and helpful space for our spiritual journey as a city. We do this, of course, because while we believe spiritual truth and spiritual ideas can be found in all sorts of different places and good things can be discovered uh, in different places, we do think the teachings of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the love of Jesus, we think it's, we think it's a little bit unique. We think of all the different choices, Jesus had a unique teaching and a unique way of showing us things. And so we take time every Sunday to make sure we spend a moment in the scriptures and in the life of Jesus. Now, of course, if you come to the table with a different background, with a different idea, we would love for you to share that at your tables. Uh, but Kira will be guiding our time with the scriptures of Jesus. And so today we're going to continue on uh, with a series we began just a few weeks ago, a series that will carry us through the summer. And it's a series called Everyday God. And it's a series where we will be tracking with uh, the life of one individual in the scriptures of Jesus. We tend to do this over the summer months where we kind of look at a key story and we follow that story till the end of the summer. And this summer, we are looking specifically at the person of Abraham and his life story, and how God was at work in his life story. Of course, we're looking at this with the hopes that we'll discover something for our everyday life, our everyday spiritual journey. And specifically, I, I think we, as we've gotten into the story just in the last few weeks, we've discovered that the story so far has been about understanding the purpose of God in our lives in an everyday sort of manner. We're going to revisit that theme time and time again throughout this series. And today, as we get going with the series and with this theme, we're going to land on something that I think is super important to wrestle through as we try to think about how we can maintain and continue every day with the purposes of God in our lives. We're going to talk about the role of family and the role family can play in affecting that pursuit. Let's get started, as we usually do, uh, with a discussion question. Turn to your neighbors, and this is obviously a, a, whole, a relevant question on Father's Day, but uh, it's relevant not just in relation to fathers, it's in relation to all kinds of family members. Why don't you take a brief moment, about two minutes, at your tables, and answer this question to get us going. How does your biological family affect your life goals, and your purpose. It could be positive, it could be negative, it could be in between. Two minutes, share your story with your table partners. All right. 
Let's take a moment to just hear what's happening uh, at your discussion tables. As, as usual, especially with a question like this, this is not a moment to like slander and put down people. Uh, you can be honest, but let's be careful not to gossip or slander and things like that. Because, uh, you know, obviously, I think many of us, if not all of us, have imperfect families. Uh, we probably all have dysfunctional families to a certain extent. And so it could be very easily for us to just, you know, take conversations in a direction we don't want them to go. So, but let's be honest, okay? So what's happening? What's going on? What are you processing at your tables? How does your biological family affect the pursuit of life purpose and goals? Who wants to get us going? Yes, we'll get started over here. Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, yes, my family was dysfunctional, but from my grandmother, who I was around a lot, she taught me to trust God. And when I was growing up, I was like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, but now I do. Yeah, yeah let's give it up for Deborah. Yeah. How many of you were affected by grandma? By show of hands. Let's be honest. Grandma. Yeah, grandma's, there's something special about abuela, right? There's just something very special about abuela. That's, that's interesting. Okay, what else? Who else? Yes, yeah. So um, my family basically helped me motivate, like give me motivation, you know, to be better, you know, do a better job than they did. And, um, you know, just something that I've learned from my father is that you can't stop a man who wants to do something. You know, if you want, you want it, you're going to get it. Yeah. Let's give it up for Milton, yeah. Kind of like the video clip we saw earlier, but from uh, Will Smith, the, the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. What else? What else? Yeah. Um, I guess mine's kind of different. I grew up like being taught about my family. So on my dad's side, our we have like a six volume set explaining our family history. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's like you know your original ancestor was the prime minister of Korea in like the 1300s so you should accomplish great things and on my dad mom's side like my great grandfather fought for the Korean independence and he like really loved the lord and he built like churches with his bare hands and it's like so you got to accomplish great things for Jesus now so it's like in your blood so you must so that's what I was telling them that's just I guess I don't know if that's my life goal and purpose but I hope so so all right let's give it up wow you we're we have royalty in the room. We got to be careful here. Okay. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. Anybody else? How has your biological family affected this? Okay. Now, we, we've all kind of mentioned very positive things. So that's really good. I guess you kind of took my admonition to not gossip or slander pretty, pretty seriously. But let's be honest by show of hands. How many of you feel like your biological family has hindered you or Made you struggle with the pursuit of life purpose. And then, okay, okay, okay. So, okay. Okay, okay, good. Yeah. They always want Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. You know, what I find really fascinating about the life and teaching of Jesus is that Jesus and his scriptures were brutally honest with how life is. And the stories we read in his scriptures are oftentimes easily mirrored in our own lives because of how honest they are. You know, today we're going to be reading again about this man by, by the name of Abraham, 
And we're going to read about how his family potentially gets in the way of him experiencing God's purposes and plans for him. God, thankfully, is going to be bigger than what he goes through, bigger than his family. But it's going to be an interesting conversation, an honest conversation about how family can get involved. Now, the interesting thing, of course, is, and this is what we talked about last week, family oftentimes, while very important and while very influential, oftentimes is secondary to our own mistakes (laughs) and our own decision-making abilities. Um, If you remember last week, we talked about how uh, Abraham, he actually derailed himself because of his own survival instinct. You remember last week we talked about that? He needed to survive, and out of survival, he lost sight of God's purposes and plans for him. And that happens all the time. I bring that up because as we get this week's story started, we're going to read about Abraham getting his life back in line. He had, because of his survival instinct, left uh, the place he was supposed to stay to experience God's blessing. He had left Israel, went to Egypt, and when he went to Egypt, he lied about his wife, and all these things happened just so to survive and almost forfeited God's purposes and promises for him. But somehow God is bigger, right, than all of our mistakes, and God allows him to come back. So that's where we will pick up in the story. Take a look on the sheets uh, in front of you. I'll read through it, and we'll process this together, all right? Starting at the top, uh, we're in the 13th chapter of this book called Genesis, and uh, this, the second section of his story now. So Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, And Lot, who was his nephew, was with him. Again, Abraham was in Egypt because there was a famine. He was trying to survive. He left the promised land to go to Egypt. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. He accrued that in our last story in Egypt. From the Negev, he went from from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, his nephew, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at this time. So, Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me, or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zor was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. 
The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north and south, to the east and west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your, your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. So Abram went to live near the great tree of Marmara at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. Now, in many ways, this is a pretty straightforward story, right? The plot is pretty simple. But the principles here are very important for us to think about here this morning. It gets started again with Abram coming back to that first place he made an altar to God. Meaning, Abraham, after making that mistake of trying to survive, and as a result of that, leaving God's promises, God's purposes, he gets his mind straightened out, and he says, you know what, I got to go back to that first place I made a promise to God. I got to go back there and make a renewal commitment to God again. And so he does that at the beginning of the story. And it's really important to make sure we camp out there for a second and just realize a simple, basic, but necessary truth for all of us in all of our journey. And the truth is simple. It's this, that there is always a second chance. There is always a second chance with God to get our lives realigned with God. We're never too far. We've never made too many mistakes to get our life back realigned with God. And I love how this story starts off, where Abraham's like, you know what, man, I got to go to that first place. I built that article. Remember, altars were places where after somebody encountered God, they would build this stone monument as a remembrance of what God did in that moment. And so he goes back to that first moment. I wonder for some of us in this room here today, do we need to go to an altar? Do we feel like we've kind of misaligned ourselves with God? Have we been kind of walking away for different reasons? We've let our survival instinct perhaps get us off course with God. Do we need to go back to that first altar? The doors are open. God is a very generous and forgiving God. His arms are open. Well, what happens then in the story, of course, as we read, Abraham's nephew has been with them this whole time, and they basically, through different events, accrue too many things to live peaceably together. And the people that work for them, the people that work for the livestock, begin to fight, and family drama ensues. Now, some of you don't really have big families, or maybe you don't have family drama, and so that's great. You may not understand this story very well, but others of you you know how this happens, right? You know or you've heard from your parents how very quickly an uncle or a cousin or a sibling can very quickly bring about family drama because, well, resources are maybe scarce or resources are too much. There's a difference of opinion on how to handle the family finances, there's a difference of opinion on how to handle the family property. There's a difference of opinion to handle you fill in the blank. And so family conflict arises. Now I want you to think about your own family conflict really quickly. And think about how easy 
it was or it is, for that conflict to get you misaligned or get, get you off course with the bigger picture God has for you. I mean, when was the last time you let a family conflict get you off course with God's purposes? Probably not too long ago, if we're being honest. And the reason is, right, family of all people, family, they, for whatever reason, they just know how to get under our skin. I mean, it's easy to have a conflict sometimes with somebody at work, sometimes. It's easy to have a conflict with an acquaintance on maybe a club or a sports team you're with, whatever. But family conflict, that just gets under you very quickly. And that causes you just to start feeling things, thinking things that can get you off track very, very quickly. I think about the story here, and I think that is what is about to happen. Abraham and his nephew Lot. Remember, now remember that they're not just, this isn't just an uncle kind of nephew sort of story. Remember, a few weeks ago, we had read that Abraham, his wife, and his nephew, they had decided to immigrate to another country. The rest of their family was back at home in Ur. Just these folks they decided to be the immigrants in another country. And some of you have experienced this, right? You have bigger family in another country in the world, whether it be an Asian country, Latin American country, wherever. And a lot of them have stayed there, but it was just you, a cousin, or you and somebody else came to the U.S. And so the conflict is even, I think, worse than just a normal family conflict. These are immigrants in another country having a conflict. And you know, some of you know, wow, whoo, these are the conflicts that can really hurt you. Now, what's fascinating, as we look at the story, of course, is that Abraham recognizes a conflict, and, and somehow he's wise enough, somehow he's smart enough to be like, you know what, let me not let this get out of hand. Let me not let the drama get out of hand. And he calls a meeting with his nephew, and he says, you know what, let's just make this simple. I don't want to pick a fight or anything. Take a look at the land. You make first choice. Please, just pick what you think you want. Look, let's, let's, not get, let's not make this bigger than it needs to get. Now, Lot looks at the land, and the, the story tells us, right, Lot ends up picking the better-looking land. But the story kind of hints at something wrong with that, right? There are a couple of hints that, oh, Sodom and Gomorrah haven't been destroyed yet. Oh, the people of Sodom are wicked. We're going to read about that in the next couple chapters. All that to say, though, Abram here makes a very humble and a very wise choice to diffuse the situation. And I think ultimately just trust God. You know what? I let my survival instinct in the previous story last week, get me derailed. I'm not, I'm not going to let family drama derail me this time. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to give, be generous, let somebody take the first choice. And then look what God does in this story. At the very end, right? This is fascinating. God shows up to Abraham. And he makes the promise that he made when God first met Abraham. He makes that promise again, but then adds some more things. He says, take a look around you, Abraham. 
All of this belongs to you. You will, your descendant will inherit all of this. Why don't you even walk through this land? Walk through this property. Make sure you understand this is all going to be yours. And so we see this amazing picture of God being bigger than any type of family drama that could happen. We see this picture of God being faithful to His promises, faithful to His purpose in and through Abraham. Now, we've talked a lot about how this story ultimately points to Jesus, meaning the story of Abraham ultimately points to Jesus because we've mentioned every week that Jesus is this descendant of Abraham that will bless the rest of the world. And we've looked at the teachings of Jesus even some 2,000 years later after the story of Abraham where it's very clear that Jesus understands himself that way and, and all the followers of Jesus are like, oh my goodness, you're the promised descendant of Abraham, okay? Now, what's interesting as we think about Jesus is that Jesus actually experienced some of these same things that Abraham experienced here. Meaning, did you know that when Jesus was here, he had fought family conflict and family drama as well? Take a look at, for example, uh, the story of Jesus in Mark, specifically chapter 3. I love this story because it just shows you how real, again, Jesus is. This is Jesus. Uh, he's at the beginning of his work in our world. He's been healing a lot of people, and he goes to his hometown, and this is what happened. Then Jesus entered the house, and again, a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. This was like a happening house party where it's two packed, and there are too many people to talk to. Jesus can't eat. But then notice this next line. I love this. When his family heard about this, his family is like a couple houses away. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he's out of his mind. Why don't, you, why don't you think about this really quick? I don't know what you think about Jesus. I think a lot of us think he was a great person because he definitely was. But even while he was here, his family, his family was not necessarily with him all the time. His family in this story, they think he's a little crazy. Like, what is our brother doing? And they were gonna, about to go and take charge of him, meaning like grab a hold of him and get, it out, get him out of there because they, they thought he was crazy. What about us here this morning? How is our family affecting what we know God has called us to? Have they been an encouraging force? Have they been discouraging? Have you let some family conflicts and family drama get you off with your focus on God's purposes for you? How might God be inviting you this morning to bring that family issue, that family drama, that situation with your uncle or your nephew, or your aunt, or your mom, or your cousin, how might God be inviting you and I to give that to him so that his purpose for our life might be fulfilled?
why don't you turn to your neighbors and for another two minutes, just kind of process this story and process where your family is right now and think through how this relates to your story. Why don't you take two minutes to share with your neighbors there. Yeah, what are we processing? What are we thinking through uh, here this morning? Who wants to share just kind of what this story and what Jesus' story is kind of getting you to think about? Yeah. Hi, I'm AR, for those who don't know me. Um, if I'm honest with myself, I'm definitely a product of my family, which means I'm screwed up in very different ways, which is fun sometimes, and if it's anything like this morning, it's a mess. So uh, for me, what we were talking about was uh, how, even before I knew I had a relationship with Christ, I always had this way of distancing myself from people who did not bring the best out of me. And even now, I find myself, a lot of my time, if I'm not at work or doing something else, I'm sitting at home by myself. It may be isolating and antisocial, but I know where my triggers and my scars are. And I, even to this day, I'm staying away from people and keep myself in an isolated situation because the people I'm isolating myself from, I have the, I have the intent, I have a way of giving my salvation away when they get under my skin. And I, I know for me, I can't let that happen anymore. Thanks, AR. Let's give it up for AR. Thanks for being honest. AR, I think you, um, you put your finger on something that I, I have a feeling many of us here uh, do. I, I'm just curious, show of hands, how many of us have, have, have been avoiding people because of scars brought about by family issues and things like that? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Many of us, yeah, that's real. So thank you, AR, for breaking the ice for us there. Yeah. Anybody else? What, what are you processing? What is this story getting you to think about this morning? Yes. So the story that you brought up before about how families can often be distant geographically speaking, I think that's what I've been thinking about. And because my time is limited with my family, how to make sure that it's encouraging. It's an encouraging time and also trying to be consistent but that gets difficult when you live so far away. So um, also the role of other people who kind of come in and fulfill that um, family role. Um, and then making sure that those different attachments are healthy and the expectations are realistic as opposed to like trying to place too much pressure on other people. Oh, that's good. Let's give it up for Olivia. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, this, this story is really interesting when you put the kind of immigrant mindset to it or the distant mindset. Again, they're, they're in a foreign land, and it's just the two of them out of their big family. And that's, that complicates things. I, I think that's in part why Abraham looks to have a peaceable solution. Because if he doesn't, he's like, dude, I will be totally alone. And so he's trying to figure it out, and I think that's, that plays in definitely. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Things you're processing? thinking through as we look at this story. Well, I hope it, it sounds like uh, through the conversations that, that definitely things are, are spinning in your mind. And, and, and this is what I want to encourage us towards as we begin to think through, okay, well, how do I 
yeah, how do I actually deal with this? What, like, okay, God, what, what are you trying to teach me through this? You're bringing up all these issues, but, but what next? A couple things from this story and also the story of Jesus that get me thinking. The first, we'll start with Jesus. Before Jesus comes on the scene, did you know that one of the prophecies about Jesus and about his work, what he would do, was that he would actually come and bring families together? There is a passage, and it's not going to be on your screens because uh, I didn't put it on today, but there's a passage in the very last book of prophecy before the Gospels begin in the Scriptures. So this is what some people call the Old Testament or the Tanakh. The very last book, at least in our Protestant uh, versions, is called Malachi 4. And the very last paragraph in Malachi 4 says this, See, I will send the prophets to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. So this is talking actually about a person, a prophet that comes before Jesus. Uh, that prophet, some of you may know, is the person John the Baptist. And notice what, what this last prophecy of this last book says about Jesus and what Jesus will do. Um, again, it's, it is about John the Baptist as he gets Jesus ready for things, but this is all part of the same story with Jesus. He, so he says this, He will turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Meaning, part of what Jesus desires to do is to bring and reconcile families back together. That's just part of the vision of a healthy, holistic community. I mean, just think about it, right? Like, a healthy city means families are somehow coming back together. Now, of course, this is very, 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 very difficult, uh, as we have been made aware of, or as we're thinking about this morning. So practically, how, how might this happen? Well, there are two things in this story that I think are really important. And actually, the, it's at the beginning of the story and at the end. If you can take a look at your uh, sheets again. You notice in the first few paragraphs and the last paragraph, this whole idea of building an altar is a part of the puzzle of this story, right? In the first two paragraphs, remember, Abram is coming back to God. He was like, you know, off track because of his survival instinct. And so he's coming back. He's coming back to that first place where he made that commitment to God and said, okay, God, I'm going to commit to you. And then at, at the end of the story, God meets them again. God meets them again in this very complicated family situation, which, by the way, in, in next week, it's going to get even more complicated. So don't worry. If you think, oh, that's easy. This story isn't very complicated. It's going to get more complicated. Don't worry. But in that, in that, through that complication, God meets them again, and then Abram builds, builds another altar. Right? You cut that at the very end. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Marmah and Hebron, where he pitched his tent, there he built an altar to the Lord. Again, what is this thing with altar building? Building altars were a way to visually acknowledge, recognize, and memorialize God's purpose and plan. 
You ever seen these memorials around New Brunswick, right, where they try to remember a past event through a plaque? And the idea that the city of New Brunswick is trying to do is every time we walk by those memorials, we're supposed to remember, oh, this happened here, and oh, this is kind of important to our city, to our country's founding. Uh, My favorite one is where they have the third public reading of the Declaration of Independence right here in New Brunswick. It's a fascinating plaque. And it's trying to remember, help us remember, hey, New Brunswick, don't forget your roots. Don't forget this was an important place where the idea of liberty and justice for all was founded. Yeah, New Brunswick, we got a lot of work to do. But don't forget, it can be done. And the same thing with Abraham building these memorials. Don't forget, Abraham, that I met you here, God is saying. Don't forget that I met you here. So build this memorial and make sure you come back to it to find energy, to find refocusing, to find new strength for the next challenge you may have. And so I think what that means is for some of us, we need to do two things. Number one, we need to go back to previous commitments we've made. Maybe you made a commitment to God. You made a commitment to God that, you know, when God first met you, that, you know, you would forgive someone in your family. I remember when I first met God, (laughs) I... One of the first things God told me to do was to ask for forgiveness from my parents. I was a terrible person at home, and I remember going up to my parents after I first met God and Jesus came into my life, and I asked for forgiveness from my parents. They were, like, so shocked. They didn't even know, they didn't know what to say to me. I mean, we didn't do this as a family. We, this, we had a pretty dysfunctional relationship. So we didn't do this. So they were just like, and change the subject. I mean, they really honestly had no idea what to say to me. But I remember, I remember after doing that, I was like, wow, God, I guess you're real. Because I would not have done that on my own strength. There's no way. But here's the deal. Maybe you heard that from God too. When you first came to God or you've had those God moments where God says, you need to do this with your family. And you were like, thanks, but no thanks, God. And you kind of went away. Perhaps you need to go back to that place where you made that commitment. I remember a second time, God, uh, this was later in my journey, God asked me to confront my dad about something he was doing. I was so afraid to confront my dad. It was actually about his sexual sin. Uh, Some of you know the story of my dad, and he was sexually deviant, uh, and it was not a good thing for our family. And I remember when God was inviting me to confront my dad. And immediately I was like, there's no way I'm going to do that. Because what if mom finds out? And then what if this happens? What if they get a divorce just because I confronted my dad, right? I mean, some of you have been in that situation. And so I totally chickened out. i just be honest. I totally chickened out, didn't do it. And I lost that opportunity. Interestingly enough, seven years later, God gave that opportunity back. There was a situation, the moment was ripe, and he reminded me, you remember, Yukon, that thing you were going to do seven years ago that I asked you to do and you didn't do it? Well, this is your moment of redemption. And so I confronted my dad, 
and it was an important moment for my journey and for God's work in my family. Maybe you are being given that second moment right now to deal with something. But it's important, right, to remember what this is all for. This isn't for me or you and just like us to feel good. Remember the story of Abraham. This is all for the bigger purpose, the bigger story, the bigger dream that God has for Abraham and for our world. The bigger dream, remember, is that God has been telling Abraham, Abraham, I want to bless you so you can be a blessing to the world. And I believe for all of us in this room, that's the same dream that God has for us because of Jesus. This isn't ultimately about you and your well-being, although it is. But did you know that God is wanting to bless the world through you? That God has a plan and purpose to bless other people through you? And so this is crucial for God's purpose in our world, God's plan. May God help us to be open to that. Can you join me in a final word of prayer? As this song reminds us, the altar was also a place not just of remembering, but ultimately as the story of Abraham develops, it was a place where a sacrifice would be made. We'll get to that story in a little bit, but at that altar, God gave Abraham a substitute sacrifice to take his place, his son's place, so that his son wouldn't have to die. And the song is reminding us that ultimately the altar points to Jesus. Again, Jesus would be a sacrifice in our place so that we would not have to die, so that we could have the life of God, the hope of God, and the purpose and love of God in our lives. And so at the altar, different things happen. We remember things, but we also surrender things. We also give God certain things. And so God, this morning we come to you and we, we surrender. We give to you ourselves. We give to you our family situations, the family drama, the conflict. And we say, God, would you bring new life and renew your purpose for us? Would you speak to us again in the midst of these challenging times? And would you give us hope and a vision to continue to move forward? Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you for today. Thank you for what it means to have you as Father to have you guide us in these very real and challenging ways. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thanks again for joining us for today's conversation. For more information about Ethnos New Brunswick, please visit us at ethnosnb.com.